0: This is a Sharp Old Hat podcast, and my name is Chris. I had the great pleasure and privilege to talk to a most entertaining and eloquent man who has the guts to share his story on this podcast. He drew the proverbial short straw, which could really happen to any one of us. My friend Bernadette Burke was kind enough to introduce us and contributed to this chat with a wit and humor which I've really come to love about her. In spite of a terrible story with a great ending, if there's such a thing, the three of us laughed a lot. This is a conversation with Jeremy Sutton.
1: I need really explicit instructions and frequent explicit reminders. If you want me to keep something in mind, otherwise I'll be like, "What?"
2: He's got a little bit of attention deficit disorder at the moment.
1: What? Yeah, <laughs> a, little bit. a
2: little bit. It's all part of his current condition. Oh, it's an affect, part of the story. That's guess, it. Yeah,
1: it? yeah, 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 yeah. So, like when when you come off of a benzodiazepine, right? Because its function is to inhibit your nervous system. So when you take it away, you have no brakes, just acceleration. So. You know, you can imagine every like, kind of nerve impulse, every thought, every like, kind of is. Uh, yeah. How did you
0: actually get on the Benzels?
1: When I was 28, I, I um, used to do parkour free running in Montreal. Okay. I used to jump and I broke. he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There's no impulse control. I, yeah, I'm
1: incredibly self destructive <laughs> and I'm a death Wreckless. wish. Yeah. But well, at least I don't choke on almonds. First, (laughs) but so I missed a jump. I fell 25 feet onto my back, broke three vertebrae. Ipsy dips. Um, The Canadian health service is really good at making sure you don't die. Mm. Then they need the bed. So I didn't have like good follow-up care. And then I went to the UK um, for work. And so I didn't know that I fractured four vertebrae. And eight years later, my back still hurt. Why? Well, I mean, I was in rough shape, I had a yeah. fractured skull, and you know. Um, and I went to a spinal clinic in London, in Chiswick, mm-hmm. and because they were doing free evaluations. And when I took off my shirt, the guy said, I'm not going to touch you until we have an x ray, and he found the fractured vertebrae. Fuck. And so I started doing physio, I went to the doctors, and I was prescribed diazepam mm-hmm. and later buprenorphine for the pain. And 12 years later, I was taking them still. Um, and it, it was just this year that I'd gone to Costa Rica with my mother and we did a bit of a health retreat. And I decided I don't want to take them anymore because okay. I'm tri- it's too much of a hassle going in and out of the U.S. with controlled substances. And so I told the doctor that was seeing me when I was staying with my mom in Ohio, I want to stop taking both these drugs. He said, oh, good for you. And... <laughs> Encourage me. What did it say? Advice. It's healthy. Which, yeah, it, it was healthy, but it turned out to be like the worst medical advice I've ever received. Well, good
2: for you for having that intention, but let's talk about the strategy and the plan.
1: Since then, I've discovered, you know, first of all, you shouldn't take the drugs for longer than a month. If you yeah. do decide to come off of them, you have to go ten percent every two to four weeks. You know, to take so it would yeah. have taken me a year to come off of them. But I didn't know that the doctor didn't tell me. So I stopped taking them the 24th of December. And I expected the buprenorphine to cause an opiate withdrawal, Uh you know, and heroin detox similar. So I thought I'd be, you know, really uncomfortable for four weeks. Uh And I was, and I thought I would get better. But instead of getting better, I got much, much worse. And that's when the benzodiazepine you can say withdrawal. But the withdrawal is probably done within two to four weeks. What's happened is the damage that the benzos have done over all of those years became apparent when yeah. I, you know, stopped with the opiate withdrawal, <laughs> and things got much worse very quickly.
0: Yeah, but benzos are they are um, an anti-anxiety and mostly relaxant medication, exactly. are they? Yeah. Um, so there's obviously the physical dependency. Um, but the psychological dependency, I would imagine, is much greater,
1: and I, so that's used use as a crutch yeah. over
0: a long period
1: of time. And I think you know, based on the research that I did after I started having these intense like symptoms, trying yeah. to figure out what was going on and what was happening to me, I think it's maybe more accurate instead of thinking of it like a dependency like on other drugs is to think of the mechanism of action and then the effects that that has on your body so the way that the benzodiazepine works and you're right it's an anti-anxiety and it's a muscle relaxant and it's also like um whatever a sleep inducer would be a sleeping pill you know i mean because what it does is it works on your your nervous system has two pathways. Let's say you have glutamate, which is accelerate or go and you have GABA, which is slow down break. Mm. A benzodiazepine is a really broad, like agonist for the GABA receptors. So it just coats them all. You don't just have them in your brain, Mm. all over your nervous system. So the peripheral, you know, and also your central nervous system. And your body always wants equilibrium. So in response, what happens is your body downregulates the GABA receptors that you have. So people who are on a benzo, I was on Valium, 10 milligrams per day for 12 years, um, they can have like intradose withdrawal because you know their their bodies downregulated the GABA yeah. receptors to such an extent they start to, you know, get the symptoms of a benzo withdrawal, yeah. which are You know anxiety panic twitching convulsions you know neuropathy feelings of burning and tingling um, between doses but of course when you stop you know some people some medical professionals kind of say they compare it to like a chemical burn on your nervous system because the GABA receptors are just damaged and they don't come back right away because your nerves can take a long time to regenerate or heal yeah Mm. But they, um,
0: I, I read about this, um, this this guy Jordan Peterson, you sure you're familiar? Yeah, with him. Yeah, like, yeah. He had a big um, benzo addiction as well, like, and um, uh, in in what I read, um, it said that um, that benzos and alcohol are very similar in terms of weaning yourself off of that. You shouldn't do it immediately. Right. Whereas other drugs, you should basically, you can go cold right. turkey. Um, and it doesn't do any damage to you mm-hmm. other than the discomfort you experience throughout the withdrawal but benzos and alcohol are similar in that that you really have to wean yourself down and minimize the doses over a long period of time in order to get your body right that Otherwise instant you, withdrawal can be really dangerous yeah for you.
2: it is actively dangerous i knew that about alcohol so that is yeah. that a similar sort of setup that yeah, that's statement?
1: exactly right yeah <laughs> and, and so like um alcohol kind of works on the gaba receptors in a similar way you oh. know? so it, it put, and and so so, i mean the the challenge if you take yourself off of it immediately mm. is that because your nervous system is so hyper excited and unable to calm itself down yeah. that results in a lot of spastic neuronal activity and you have convulsions and they can kill you both with yeah. alcohol and with the benzos mm. um and that's the difference between the psychological you know and and also a physical dependence and and damaged nervous or dysfunctional nervous system they're also different right so a dependence you can take away and it's uncomfortable but you're not going to die you just have to get through the discomfort and the psychological dependence can last far longer and you know result in depression or anxiety or hopelessness despair six nine twelve months later but you know when you have like the the physical dependence or or the you know there's there's something physiologically that's been damaged or altered and you take it away yeah. and it doesn't have time to repair or rebuild then some things go really wrong yeah. when um so i think each person who goes through benzo withdrawal has their own unique like fingerprint of symptoms and mine like it, because i was on it for so long probably included a really broad spectrum of what people can experience i had anxiety i had a loss of balance you know i had tunnel vision i had hallucinations i had a lot of like um, somatic sensation of burning skin and um like loss of muscle some people are bedridden um i had the twitching convulsing but insomnia was like probably the worst so insomnia I mean, yeah i thought that shit makes you uh sleepy and so when you take it away all right right, right, right. <laughs> and and huge tinnitus right deafening like a roaring tinnitus and so and all racing thought intrusive thoughts you know and so you're uh, in january and february i didn't sleep at all (laughs) and i i wouldn't have expected that was possible and i was so desperate like you know so probably mid-february the idea came to me like oh i think alcohol works the same way what if i have a drink And I had a glass of wine, which soon became a bottle of wine in 15 minutes because I didn't feel like I'd had any, had no effect on me. In about 45 minutes, I had a screaming hangover and the (laughs) symptoms got 10 (laughs) times worse. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) And this is the challenge is that after four weeks or after a month, doctors say you can't reinstate. You know, you can't say, oh, I made a mistake. I'll go back and do it again properly. Because it's just a, a crapshoot how the reinstatement will play out yeah. and it could just make it worse yeah. and then you much longer. But you were like throughout the 12 years, you were fully functioning. You were
0: working, doing sports, all the rest of it, just that you pop the pills, um, whatever, three, four, five mm-hmm. times a day whatever the dose was. Mm-hmm. And how does one go about it? Because I got the benzo um, prescription um, by the local doctor here for my back. Like, I was in agony. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave me a little... Uh, he gave me a prescription for three days. And he said, if you have any good. withdrawal symptoms... Obviously, he's a very thorough guy, like, you know. And um, from what I know, like... Uh, like the first whatever, fourteen to twenty-eight days are reasonably safe yes, right, for so most people. It. So that's he right. gave it to me for three days, and I expected this to be the hammer drop, like um, which it wasn't. Like I was still in pain, but whatever was it—the lyfen, was it the benzos? Like you know, I got better relatively quickly. Like yes. you know, still trying to regain mobility. But uh, he warned me of um, should I experience any withdrawal symptoms, to contact him straight away. Three and I days. thought, Jules, this might be good. <laughs> <laughs> And it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean,
2: <didn't>
0: <laughs> But uh, how do you go about getting those prescriptions? I mean, um, you said that wasn't the UK.
2: Okay. Asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah. not so, asking for myself,
1: obviously. I think that, that now, today, because there's this like growing body of so the, the reason that the doctor yeah. told me. And he, he was like a substance specialist, yeah. you know. So um, the prescriptions were here in the UK. And I went to stay with my mother at, at the beginning of 2022. Yeah. And and so I needed a local doctor. And she took me to the doctors that, that she went to. And they had a nurse practitioner who specialized in substances. Because benzos and opiates are also big um, substances that are like, you know, kind of... Um, they can be abused right so like the opiates would be like you know other oxycodone or heroin and benzos often accompany you know drugs of addiction and of abuse and so this guy i would have expected to be educated in also you know the dependence and and what happens and how you should come off of the drugs but many doctors don't have that information but there's growing and growing and growing pressure from like you know In the UK for example they had a class-action lawsuit about that sued the the pharmaceutical companies because people were experiencing such intense withdrawal Um, and and so it's harder to get long-term prescriptions for it now and the guidance is really clear um, that you shouldn't prescribe it for longer than I think three months Yeah. yeah
0: But back then, it wasn't a problem at all. They just said, oh, yeah, it's your prescription again, sir. Um, See you next month. And exactly.
1: Now that (laughs) I've I've gone through this, I kind of realize that, you know, when I would speak to my family doctor, when they looked at my history and they see, like, how long I've been Uh on them they probably just thought this is a terminal thing, right? Because bringing him off of them is going to be super challenging. And when I went to the U.S. to try to continue the care I was on, it was so thorough, you know, their interrogation, because, you know, they're they're now dangerous substances. Yeah, yeah. and and there's like a a clinical psychopharmacist. That's not the right word. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, she's... um, clinical pharmaceutical psychiatrist or something like this but in the UK her name was Heather Ashton uh-huh. and she like basically wrote the Ashton manual which is all about benzodiazepine and and also you know what can happen when you come off of them and yeah. so therefore how you should come off of that yeah. um, but the, you know the, the and so there's lots of coaches there's lots of people who share their stories on um, YouTube mm-hmm. and in fact like you know when I started looking into it, You see that, uh, you know, many people have it far worse than I do. It can produce something called akesthesia, which makes people restless and they can't sit still and they feel this sense of terror and doom, you know, to the extent where many of them take their own lives, sadly. Um, And then if they do go back to the medical professionals and seek treatment, um, they're often told that this is a previous condition, which has emerged now that you've come off of the drug. Or they're treated with antidepressants, or antipsychotics, or other psychiatric medication, which can exacerbate the damage and the yeah. dysregulation of their nervous system. So throwing a pill on top of another pill in order to combat
0: the effects of the first pill leads to the third and fourth and fifth and seventh pill. Uh, that and and but how did you? get yourself off it then was it then with medical supervision or was it really your own kind of approach which you tested out
1: on yourself how to wean yourself off the benzos yeah there because i (laughs) i was so um angry with the medical advice that i'd received you know and and also i was incapacitated for two three months you know so i i you know I, i have the little step function on my phone and you know and I, since I've come back I, I went to Dubai at the end of February and then I went to London in April and it's only been kind of in May and June that I've started being able to walk and go to the gym and like kind of get my body back um, and so in in January and February I went from the bed to the sofa I was pretty much bedridden for two yeah. months and um, so I couldn't go back to the, the doctors I didn't Want. and so YouTube was my friend you know there are oh, yeah, online yeah. forums like benzobuddies.com where my yeah. and you have to be careful with those because you know there's also a lot of horror stories you know of course yeah. and it's because you, your nervous system is dysregulated if you feel anxious or you feel scared or stressed you know that just makes things worse because yeah. you already have tons of cortisol and adrenaline going through your system yeah. and if your brain gets works itself up about it you get more. So I had to learn um, a lot of coping mechanisms. You know, I had to acquire them, which I, I'd never had to use before. Yeah. And like those included things like acceptance, you know, and so this idea that because you're in a lot of subjective pain, yeah. you know, and, and, and so if you're ruminating about that pain, if you're saying, oh, man, this is terrible. And it's never going to go away. And I can't stand another day. Yeah. Then you're suffering on top yeah. of being in pain. And so... And I, I think this comes from like an Eastern philosophy. It's like you know, pain might be avoidable, but suffering's a choice. You know, so and and so things like acceptance, like yeah, I'm I'm in pain, and I haven't slept for three months, and you know I feel terrible, and I can't really walk, but I can do this or this or this. You know, and just like accepting it, putting it down, moving, distracting yourself. Um, you know, and and. Things like gratitude, things like perspective, you know, the things that got me through it was thinking, well, people who have chemotherapy also have dysregulated nervous systems yeah. and damage to their, and, you know, and they might have a terminal sentence, yeah. you know, after that. Like, that's what's ahead of them. And at yeah. least I have some hope that that's yeah. not going to happen to me. Um, and then, you know, and so that perspective helps, you know, remind you of what you've got rather than focusing on how bad everything is. And then, um, you know, just simple, gra- like, I'm, I'm here at my mom's house, at least I'm in the bed. <laughs> you, know, at least I, you know, I'm not like writhing around somewhere outside in the elements, you know what I mean? Because it, things can always be worse. But I get, I get the idea.
0: I mean, being a smoker, like, you know, giving up the smokes is like the worst thing I've ever done. Like, you know, I don't have any particular um, exciting drug experience, even though I'm from Berlin. But um, <laughs> the smokes, that was the only thing like um, that I was never able to give up. And do you know that feeling when you are running out of smokes in the oh, middle yeah. of the night? You know, just you you have two smokes there. You're not going to die. You can go to the petrol pump tomorrow and get yourself another 20 like but just knowing you're running out. Mm it drives you mad. Mm -hmm. It's not good at all. And then you tend to smoke the last two cigarettes and one go in 10 minutes. Like (laughs) (laughs) it's fucking crazy. Like, but um, I would imagine that um, because I, I, I'm used to pain. Like I I did sports all my life and there wasn't a day um, I can remember actually in my conscious life that I wasn't in pain due to some sports injury. And, I can manage pain reasonably well as long as it's not on the head like toothache earache you know that sort of thing is shit yeah but anything on your body you know you just live with it but the psychological horrors you put yourself through which you kind of amplify and accelerate as you go along like within uh, minutes really at times um, they're actually the worst for me but I would imagine that when you have like real hands-on physiological um, effects, like where you can't move or yeah. you, I don't know, break into sweats or you have tremors or whatever. Um, that that probably is something I could deal with better than with the psychological
2: addiction. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think you have to get your head around the psychological pieces. Yeah. So things like hallucinations. So now my sense yeah. of what's real and what's not real is completely warped. And I feel like I know how, now I have no agency to work that out. And should, should I actually be scared? Or should I just try and sit back and watch it and accept it? Or do I actually need to take action in this moment? It's that um, ability to be thoughtful about the best thing to do without winding yourself up. I mean, I think that would scare the living daylights out of me. Well,
1: I don't know if you saw it just out there, but there were flies buzzing around before we came into the studio. And, and one of the hallucinations that I would have is a bunch of like black dots rushing at my face and I could see Oh, shit. Them. And so there I was a like, you know, I, and I don't know whether I'm overreacting, to like, and it feels like there's a cloud of them, maybe there's just one, and I'm like, oh my, they're targeting me, like, get out of here, you know. Uh, yeah, and hey. so that, like, testing of reality is a thing. Yeah. And, yeah, you go.
2: No, no I was just going to say, and that's, that, that what's real and what's not real, and therefore what's an appropriate response or reaction to this going on? Could I put myself in further danger if I just let it go? do you see what i'm saying that that lack of judgment and that's lack of critical judgment in, yeah. in that moment and um, yeah
1: that's it yeah and and yeah. so the and the physical symptoms you know it is interesting that you said that you know the psychological would be much worse you know what i found was in the 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 intensity of the physical symptoms were was so extreme it was basically like I couldn't do anything else you know and I I couldn't sleep and lying in the bed at at night you know while your skin feels like there's an electricity being frying your nervous system under Mm -hmm. there's like poison ivy like coursing through your veins which makes you itch You've twitches and Uh, and you're constantly itching and you've got um and so there you just have to like you know okay (laughs) Yeah, I, I, this has been going on for two months now. You know what this is, and you know it's not going to get better, and so there's no point in getting irritated. And so you just try to separate yourself from your body, you know, and, and try to you know, be, live in your head and, and just wait for the morning so you can get up and go to the other room. Um, but when that started to get better, when I, and I don't know even now whether your nervous system heals or whether your brain just gets used to this and recalibrates, doesn't matter as long as you know you feel better, like, exactly. You know, yeah. And um, but once your body gets better, then if the psychological things like because you know this dysregulation of the GABA is working in your brain too. And so, what I found there was intrusive thoughts, which I'd never had, um, no impulse control. Right. So no executive function, no delay, like, you know, like fear, terror, panic, agoraphobia, paranoia, depression, despair, anxiety, like panic, all of those negative emotions, which are there to keep us safe. Right. They have like a evolutionary, you know, function. function, And when they're dysregulated, they can't be inhibited. Yeah. You're just assaulted with them, yeah. um, and and so, funnily enough, I was much less equipped to deal with those huh. than the physical. It se- you know it seemed, um, you know maybe subjectively they're much worse, and you feel much more betrayed yeah. by yourself when you're <laughs> facing those, you know, and uh, so I rented a flat, you know, in central London in St James, and and. To You know, I had come from Dubai and before that, Ohio. Um, but in Dubai, I had to get up and get food and I was trying to eat really healthy because you have lots of gastrointestinal stuff and your stomach's shot. Um, in London, I could order food yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like this is so... Traumatic, you know what? Can I and I a craving for pizza, no impulse control. A craving for chocolate cake, no <laughs> impulse control. And when you're you're not thinking about how terrible it is and how you know like how depressed you are, but then I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna turn into a 600 pound shut in and there Like this is terrible. Like how come? Yeah, like, <laughs> I was anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be here, not here. Well, and then the reason I chose the fly was because I was so excited to walk in the parks. And like i you know, like, anyway, you know, it's just another horror story that manifested in my mind. But this one was enough of a potential reality to make me crawl to my computer and look for a local gym and sign up. I was like, save me. I have to like get to the gym. And yeah. And, and it's amazing, like, because. That like, uh, I, and I've looked online about this too. Like, it, when you exercise, you create growth hormones, yeah. which helps your brain <sighs> rewire itself or whatever, yeah. and so it gets a lot better. And when I first
2: you've got sorry do you feel that you have a sense of getting better
1: since you started for sure Ah, so these are things that like you know and and this is kind of why this I I was interested in making this topic for you because I would love if somebody who's going through this or knows somebody who's going through it takes one or two things that helps them because it's you know, it's, it's the hardest thing probably that I've ever done, and I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't do it with eyes open, but, you know, I hope one of the, something can come out of it that's good, you know, and, and helpful. But when you exercise your body, like, yeah, you get this neuro growth hormone. And, and when I first went in, I, I couldn't stand on one foot. know and and so like it was incredible how weak i was and how you know certain muscles had just stopped and like so my posture was terrible my my knee hurt i put on so much weight it was like so all of these terrible things and the other the other thing that helps a lot you know so coming here this weekend to see bernadette helps incredibly because when you interact with other people and you do the opposite of what you feel like, which is like isolating and staying by yeah, yourself, of course, yeah. it kind of, you know, when we engage socially, we help each other regulate our own nervous yeah. systems. And this is something that I, I learned, you know, that I didn't really understand before. Yeah. Like most people think we have a fight or flight response It's either on yeah. or off. Um, but it's more complicated, you know, we have like the vagus nerve, so it's called polyvagal theory and they think that we have our vagus nerve like winds all through our body and this explains why sometimes you can have a stress response without knowing why because your peripheral nervous system is responding to an environmental threat that your brain doesn't understand yet you know oh, okay. when you touch like a hot stove and you yank your yeah. hand back before you feel the heat yeah that's your Vegas system going, Whoa, no, we're not yeah. going there. And then your brain registers a microsecond later, like, Oh, that was hot. You know, <laughs> but your body's already taking care of it. And, and so the, you can have what they call a dorsal vagal response. And this apparently evolved like 500 million years ago and that's the freeze, you know, so a big predator is about to kill you. It kicks in. You just stop. Um, then you have the next level which evolved 400 million years ago, which is fight or flight. And then 200 million years ago for social mammals, we have a ventral vagal response, which they, you know, kind of, I think it's called rest and digest is the thing, you know, but what when we're in that state, when our vagus system is in that state, um, we connect with other people. So when I look at you and I see that you're smiling, your face is calm, it tells my everything's okay. You know, when I hear your voice, Equally, you know, if I, if I went, oh, look out over there, that would activate, you know, your nervous system. Yep. Um, and so, this kind of like ventral vagal response is super helpful because it just soothes. It acts like the break that you're missing from the GABA, you know, receptors. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, by interacting with other people, it also gives me huge, like, moves forward in terms of yeah. healing Yeah. yeah. And recovery. Well, I mean, it's always good to interact with
0: people anyway in any kind of given situation of distress. You know yourself, talking helps yeah, if you mm-hmm. just want to yeah. use it as a flat phrase. like. Yeah. But um, do, do you actually actively know take any supplements or any other medication um, to support the, the healing of the body? Or is that done with now by physically exercising, probably eating a lot of salad and bananas? (laughs) Uh, You know what people do?
1: I don't know. (laughs) 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 Yeah, pizza and chocolate cake, remember (laughs) I told you? I don't know, (laughs) but you know, sort of clean living, Uh, you know?
0: uh, Or do you you have now someone, um, another doctor who gives you
1: two of the yellow
0: ones after dinner and one of the blue ones before breakfast?
1: Yeah, and uh, so like, uh, so in, like how do you? In terms you, of medication, yeah. like one of the things is you're you're hypersensitive, and, yeah. and because you're so dysregulated, nothing's going to work the way you expect it to. Like the alcohol, remember? Yeah. I, I thought I would maybe get a little bit of relief from the yeah. symptoms and go to sleep. Yeah, didn't know, um, and so you, I couldn't take medication. Yeah. You know, I couldn't. Be, I, I was terrified of it. Yeah. Um, because of the gastrointestinal stuff, you know, your stomach's so off. When I was in Dubai, I tried to follow the microbiome diet. So like, you know, to, to balance your um, flora, you know, your gut biome, your bacteria. Yeah, what, what'd you eat there? Well, so you, you have, you want to cut out gluten, dairy and all of okay. these things, which yeah. can get, because you, you also have a hypersensitivity to histamine. Yeah. So if you have, you know, they call it leaky gut, you know, and, and the idea is that this can cause inflammation in your body, which makes you feel bad. Um, so you, you, you try to eat plant-based foods, you know, low carbs, um, and you take supplements for that. So I took magnesium, zinc. A cinnamon, uh, I took turmeric um, and B vitamins and vitamin D. Uh, and recently, like that, that slowed down because it was a lot of supplements every day. Until this morning. Yes, until this morning when <laughs> Bernadette shared her mousse <laughs> <laughs> bouche. Yes. Help me structure this into a meal. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many I <laughs> But they were very similar actually yeah. to the ones that I was yeah. taking. Lots
2: of minerals, selenium, zinc, potassium. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. but that's down
0: to you more or less becoming an expert the way you speak. Now, you're not a medical professional, very kind. Um, So, because of your own story, you became, as an educated person, an expert in your own health and understood all most of the chemical and biochemical processes that they are. So, you're relying on your own gut instinct and your own education and ability to discern um, what's good for you and what's not good for you. I haven't had that experience with um, some doctor put you on benzos for uh, a long time over a decade like
1: yeah 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 yeah. well and 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 so i mean one of the 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 things that's kind of serendipitous is that you need distraction so you're going to be on youtube anyway and now there's like literally hundreds of videos about this topic and about different people their experience what they did and so you know there's there's two like coaches on um, YouTube that I found really helpful. Oh, sorry. One is called Dr. Jen, and the other one is called Coach Powers, and like they they have their channels, and they they've gone through their own experience, okay. and then they built a business, and also yeah. contributing to people who yeah. are going through it. And so they coach. I shouldn't say built a business. I mean, they, it is their business, yeah. but I'm yeah. sure that they just are helping people. That's yeah. their main yeah. drive. Um, and so, yeah, so, so you become an expert and the trick is make sure you're watching good content, yeah. you know, because there's also a lot of very terrifying, scary content, yeah. you know. Look,
0: that, the, in that we're privileged because we're reasonably well educated, but this is not for everyone, yet can everyone can that. injure mm-hmm. his back. Climbing a fucking wall and taking a 25 foot dive, like, and um, so that can happen to anyone, but um, that kind of approach obviously requires someone who has the ability to take this information and um, basically evaluate what might work, what mightn't, what is reasonable, what is completely uh, an auto mumbo jumbo shit. Um, so that's very individual,
1: obviously, that approach. Yeah, and for, for, for me, like, I wasn't. <laughs> probably because you want to get away from your body so much, I became really, like, imaginative and very, like, spiritual. Damn. And so, like, it wasn't so much about the, you know, the quality of the the medical or the scientific, but it was more about how, how did it make me feel? Yeah. Was it optimistic or was it, like, doom and gloom? You know, and so some of the content out there, because some of the outcomes are tragic. Yeah. And so, you know, if you get on that path, then it can lead to very dark places and you're in a very vulnerable place because you won't be able to get out of your head and it will reinforce all the negative feelings you have. So it's, you know, even if some of it... Maybe it was a bit hokey maybe you know not very but it made me feel good yeah I'd give it a chance you Absolutely know like I'd, yeah yeah it's
2: like we were saying last night it doesn't it doesn't really matter where it comes from or if it's true mm. what matters most is does it make me feel better because if it makes me feel better I'm more uh, psychologically equipped to yeah. deal with what's in front of me that's it that's it you know so if you're you know, you know if you're walking backwards three times saying i don't know holy shmoly, and you, it makes you feel better yeah who, who cares right because it's it's having an optimum an optimized outcome for you and it's equipping you to take the next step forward rather than sit here and go nowhere or go backwards yes so it, it provides momentum i guess is what i'm trying to say and i
1: i think that's probably the maybe the one of the things that's so challenging for doctors to deal with you know because it's your recovery is just going to be subjective. It's about you like when you're ready to start doing this. But it's helpful for you to be to push like for me anyway, it was helpful for me to put myself in situations which are really difficult, really uncomfortable. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't my I don't think my body would have caught up my brain wouldn't have caught up, you know, because you it's easy to sink into despair. But at the same time, you have to be really kind and gentle with yourself yeah. and, you know, so, like, forgiving. You know, you've been yeah. telling me this weekend, like, you know, it, she catches me every time I, you know, say something that's not, you know. Kind, kind to yourself,
2: yeah. And, I mean, I think, if you don't mind me sharing this, you know, even up until the day of you coming here, you weren't sure you were coming, were mm-hmm. you? Yeah.
1: That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so,
2: of this, you know, just level of sort of, Panic, fear. despair, and fear. Yeah.
1: And, and mm. you know, kind of concern like that. You, I won't, like, what will be the point? Yeah. You know, like you're not going to be able to do anything and it's going to be horrible on the, you know, and so you these negative thoughts in your head are just like... But to make this fear yeah. like we don't know each other, like you didn't have any propensity
0: towards that kind of negative thinking, depression and all this in your earlier life before you... Um, Uh, basically injured yourself or somewhere throughout the period when you took the benzos, um, you were just a happy chap. That's
1: known me for 25 years. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean... Not from no. the inside. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not from the outside. And
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeremy is, you know, a, a misbehaving entertainer, <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's a of funny person, and, and it's someone that um, I well, I don't need to be led astray, but some <laughs> <laughs> we're both quite similar in terms of our psychological profiles. We put that, and that's some of the work we do together. Nitro uh, and yeah. glycerin, um, individually <laughs> quite harmless. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> we (laughs) quite both and this particular uh, um, assessment we're both high on hedonism or hedonism as you like to call it Um, we both have very low impulse control um <laughs> yeah as you're a starting much, point you're you're way much more reckless <laughs> <right>? <laughs> but but that time, so it, it, jeremy was always sort of like a you know for want of a better word a, a major funster it's like let's go have fun where's yeah. the fun in this yeah. this is great let's turn it up let's yeah, yeah. misbehave a bit more so there was never any sign of sadness or despair or depression uh-huh. and i know that people can appear one way on the outside sure. but uh, that I don't think that was you at all. I don't think that was you at all. No, no
1: there are lots of things on the inside, like you say that that, uh, you know, and this is actually the bright side of what's happened in the last six months, yeah. for me, like because you spend so much time in bed, so much time awake, so much time you know, alone, one, alone, yeah. and and so much uh, time wondering like, why am I like you know where's that coming from and like why why do that? I always feel like. You know, so you tend to go introspect quite a bit yeah. and reflect and like, you sure. know, dive into things that you normally wouldn't that maybe you mask by always having fun or always being the joke, you know, or always yeah. and that's allowed me to heal lots of stuff yeah. that I wouldn't have you know, because I faced of course, it. it's your chance, like, yeah. And also it's not as scary now that you know how bad the yeah. it world can be. It's like okay. <laughs> hey. I got you. Yeah, <laughs> like you know. Um, Relative to that,
2: this shit's yeah, good.
1: and and um, and and so looking for those wins and and creating those wins, you know, believing that there's, you know, you look at the situation, yeah. say, this is good, and then you find the good in it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, rather than you know, because at first glance it just feels bad. Yeah. All right. Well, what's good in here? Like yeah. something's good, and and coming to ireland to be with a friend that i've known for 25 years that i last time i saw i didn't have any of these symptoms with has allowed me to be that person that i want and everything's been better since i've been here and also the connection with somebody has really helped so like you know when it, like i don't know if i could have done it two months ago no or i could have done it probably wouldn't have been the same yeah you know but this seemed like the right time and and it feels like like joining the gym three weeks boom i'm this far ahead coming to ireland spending time with a friend i'm this far ahead and so yeah it it feels like i probably won't be the same person that i was before you know i stopped but i'll be better, in yeah. fact, after. Yeah. Yeah.
0: At what time, actually, did it dawn on you? I mean, you must have had some inkling that um, after taking benzos, let's just say for three months or six months or a mm-hmm. year, at what time did it dawn in you that there's some rather unhealthy relationship developing here between yourself and um, the medication you've been prescribed?
1: Well, so... When you're taking like a pill every day and, and, you know, and it's interesting. You asked about pre like existing conditions. I mentioned them too. my thing. If, if there was anything that was like, kind of, I would have preferred to have been different about my mental health. It would have been the insomnia. It would have been sleeping easier. Like, because while I never had a lot of stress or anxiety, I I had a lot of racing thoughts. It was really difficult for my mind to turn down, you know, and shut down go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I first took the Benzo, I Valium, I didn't under, anticipate, but my sleep was like beautiful. I was just like, oh, it feels like I'm in a nice warm blanket and I, it's easy for me to drift off And my, because it's like, sure. you know, holding, repressing your thinking, your thoughts and you're slowing down. You, there's something that's working. And so, you know, you, you, um, for me, the challenge was like, if I was sleeping and I take the pill at night yeah. and then I'd wake up and I'd be like, did I take the pill? Did I not take the pill? And you take like another pill or I would anyway, because I'm reckless and not <laughs> very conscientious. <much> <laughs> like, who cares? You know, I'll whatever. The I'll, the fix same thing. It. I'll fix it in the morning if I took two. And then, you know, if you're short at yeah. the end of the month, of course, your doctor is not going to be happy about that. Because you know, the drug's clearly, uh, you know, prone to misuse, and so then you have to wait, and that's when you start to notice. But because I was taking diazepam and buprenorphine at the same time, um, and the buprenorphine was in the morning, the painkiller, and the diazepam was in the evening, okay. if I, I ever extended the, the, um, the
0: factor of the, um, the the factor of the medication on your on your body that you could
1: actually function? You mean, uh, just timing, right? So the buprenorphine kind of helps with pain and you need to get through the day and the diazepam helps with sleep. So it helps you in the night. And I thought both of them were working on the same back, you know. Um, and because I knew that the buprenorphine was an opiate. And I knew that you know, if you missed opiate schedules, you had withdrawal symptoms. Whenever I would have a withdrawal from these yeah. two substances, because I, I would attribute it to sure. the opiate. Sure. So I not until the very, like, I, even when I stopped, yeah. I thought the first four weeks, this is opiate withdrawal. Uh-huh. And it was. Uh-huh. And it's terrible. Like, subjectively, it feels like you're uh-huh. going to die. But the reason that no one's worried about opiate addicts because they know you're not going to die. It right. just feels like that. Yeah. And in four weeks, you'll be better. Yeah. I mean, you right. might still have psychological dependency. Sure. But the Benzo is much worse and much more dangerous and much harder because, you know, it, it changes your nervous system and the opiates don't. Yeah, but when,
0: when did it really dawn on you that there's a problem? That's the one thing I'm really interested
1: in because... When I, after the four weeks after the four of weeks? stopping and I didn't feel better Okay. and I, I felt things that were no longer masked yeah. by the opiate withdrawal and I was like there's something really wrong. Like I have a health condition and you know, I had a health condition. So when I came back to London, one of the symptoms that manifested was called vascular neuropathy. So I, I should burn a debt. Like I, my skin had turned blue because the, my peripheral nervous system wasn't working. I, uh, the, my um, immune system was attacking my blood vessels. I had like this angry red rash all yeah. along. I started to get sores under my skin. Yeah. Um, and I was terrified, you know, of course, because like I thought, oh, I'm dying, uh, uh-huh. you know, and, and it just passed. Like I had to go and relax and like, you know, but, but yeah, that's when I noticed. And, and I started looking online to figure out what is this? And I found out what you know this there's lots of different names like one is called bind which is benzo induced neurological dysfunction yeah. and that seems to be the common thing now um and before it was protracted withdrawal syndrome
0: but what you not have um like i i don't really regularly go to doctors like but i'd say the natural reaction to um <laughs> A suspicion that there might be something wrong with you and you go to a doctor and that doesn't really help the, the thing that's wrong with you. It wouldn't be the natural reaction to be, uh, well, I get a second opinion or maybe a third opinion. Would you not just do the rounds with various doctors? And eventually someone would say, I know it's a good few years ago, but someone would say, hey, look at that. Those benzos like, you know, this is not really a good idea to
1: take them long,
0: for longer than a month.
1: So do you mean like when I wanted to stop?
0: No, when you kind of had the first inclination the first that um, benzos
1: are actually a problem for you. Well, so I didn't, like I said, I didn't know that they were a problem until I tried to stop them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you
0: never had an inclination at all, like after a year, after two years? Only, really only on if, shit. like uh, only if. Because you would have missed I, them, I, I missed
1: day. like, all yeah. right, I double doses and then I was short and then yeah. I'd be a bit uncomfortable until the doctor would give me another prescription. Yeah. But I assumed this was just like any right. kind of prescription drug withdrawal, like the opiates. So I thought, you know, first of all, I thought this might be the opiates, not yeah. the benzo, because it's more intense and more quick acting, um, and and I just never imagined okay. how tough it would be. Mm-hmm. And I'm overly confident in my ability to face those kind of challenges, typically, so I don't mm-hmm. get fearful about them. And of course, like I would, I don't think anybody would have expected you know, how debilitating it was yeah. for so long.
2: Had you known, it, you may not have done it.
1: I though. wouldn't for so sure. So in a way, yeah. that
2: worked for you. Yeah. But c- can I ask, what was the thing? What What was the thinking that led to, that's it, it's December 24th, I'm done?
1: Well, I, so every, I was traveling back and forth for London, and it was a hassle to oh, get... between
2: Ohio and London. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah
1: to get, get the else. doctor's to prescribe for longer periods of time because they're controlled substances. You know? yeah. I was opening up a business in Dubai and coming into the United Arab Emirates, I didn't know what the policy were for those controlled substances. And I thought it's just going to be worse than it is, you know, it's already very difficult here. And because I'd been in Costa Rica with my mother and we'd been on this like, you know, health retreat, you know, doing like yoga and meditation and, and we, I just felt you know, very healthy and very like strong. And I was like, right, this is the right time before I go to Dubai before I launch that business, just get these out of my system, you know, and I was meant to go to Dubai at the beginning of February. And I I couldn't get out of bed in the beginning of February. So I had to push it back to the beginning of March. And even then when I flew through London, you know, I st- had an overnight stay, and the friends came to see me, and they were just like, "You're what's happening to you? You're a zombie," you know, and then I I was, and I like it was all I could do to just get to the airport, get on the plane, um, yeah. As I say, it probably wasn't until May or June in London when I started feeling semi-human again.
0: But I mean, in all fairness, like you look like a very fit guy. It's probably down to the fact that you're probably twenty years younger than me, in spite of what you're <laughs> saying. But um, so, so you are the picture of him. I <laughs> don't know what you look like this morning, but
1: <laughs> well, and and yeah, like it, it, so. I think that that the, this is it. Is like you know the probably the feeling of gratitude that I have now for how good I feel compared to you know how I felt two months ago and you know from that point where I was like caught myself eating like three pizzas and a chocolate cake to get away from the hell in my head and join the gym you know like the people at the gym said after a month you look five years younger than you did last (laughs) month when you walked in and you know because now I can walk without nearly falling over and and then you know starting to sleep again Yeah. yeah so I mean, if you saw me two months ago or three months ago, I probably looked like Nosferatu, yeah. You <laughs> <But laughs> just so <laughs> <laughs> Big, like, swollen body, and like, ugh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you seem
0: very happy that um, this is kind of behind you, obviously still on the road to recovery, but, but this is done with, like, it's not like, how many times did you try to give up smoking?
2: I can honestly say I've never given up. <laughs> 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 I was like <laughs> waiting
1: with bated breath for <laughs> no, that answer. <laughs> I
2: can
1: honestly say I've never given you
0: have, you have done it for, let's just say, three months. You're really done with it and you're happy yeah. and healthy. Yes. And then there's Sorry something you asked me that question. That yeah. triggers you again, like, you know, yeah. a couple of drinks and, oh, I like oh, a cigarette yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing. But um, because we associate the smokers, um, uh, like the... A situation of well-being, we know it only lasts like three minutes, but as soon as you have the cigarette in your hand, you just associate instantly with now I feel a little bit better, whatever the situation may be, or even enhance the perfect situation I'm in Mm. by having a smoke. Mm. And that feeling um, never leaves you, I think. Like mm-hmm. I stopped smoking, I don't know how many times, and um, right, yeah. this, okay. this, this particular association with the cigarette in my hand, I don't even need to inhale it, but the cigarette in my hand is just there and never leaves me because that is the, the cherry on the cake, so to speak. <laughs> so this is obviously something you don't have at all because you're looking back upon oh. something that was really shitty ah. and it didn't really do anything for you
1: because you went searching kicks. Again. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and you know the the it's like efficacy. It's it, the way it worked by the end of it. Because I was tolerant for sure. I would have been tolerant probably after two years. Yeah. It's just psychological. Yeah. But I know what you mean. Is like you know if you're you've had a good meal at the end of it, you think, well, this would be even better with a cigarette. If you're having a great conversation, if this, if you're having it like, so it's like the cigarette just makes it extra. Mm, you know, absolutely. and and like. Yeah, that would never cross my mind with this substance and even people ask about, you know, what you started taking it because of your back. So how's your back now? This is something that you've asked me. And, And I'm like, Oh, my backs are like the furthest thing from my mind <laughs> is at least of my worries you know i'm worried about the the bugs that are constantly trying to fly into my brain <laughs> through my eye sockets you know I've, i'm worried about the electrical shocks running through my body that are frying my nervous system and and you know what about these panic attacks <laughs> like, never mind my back it's just gotta you know and and like i i the, you know A lot often through the road to recovery or, you know, along that road, um, there's U-turns and there's bends and there's, and, you know, this is like I say, you do a lot of introspection. One of the things that I've realized about myself is I'm super impatient and like, you know, super intolerant of, of like delays. So even though I might've come from, you know, like one to 99 in the last week, I'm like, when am I going to get to 105? Like, how long is this going to last? You know, and, and I'm, I'm just so you know, you, you that's about being kind, you know, and learning how to be kind and tolerant. And when you're like that with yourself, it's easier to be like that with other people, <laughs> you know. So it's like, but
0: that's odd because the older I get, the more tolerant and the more patient I get. Maybe that has something to do with having had children, like, <laughs> no, but, probably. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, 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 I think it's an age thing. I, I kind of see that in. Friends as well, I've known all my life. Um with age you kind of seem to be patient in a way that you know that some things just have the tendency to work out themselves. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. you don't don't need to push against something for it to be resolved. Yeah. And tolerance is more it's 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 yeah, it's, it's about acceptance. Look, I'm not going to change this. I'm not going to change that person. I'm not going to change that opinion. Yeah. It is what it is. Let's move past this. I may still have something in common with that person. Or maybe there is some actual value in that opinion, which I may disagree with initially. But you know what? It's it's cool. Let's have a look, another look at it. And so age kind of gives you more patience and tolerance in my case. And you discovered that you're actually quite the opposite now, yeah?
1: Well... Yeah, like by nature. But then I think the age, you know, would take me to a position that you're in, you know, which would be like, maybe wisdom, right? So Mm -hmm. like, I liked what you said about some things are going to resolve themselves anyway, Mm -hmm. you don't need to push against them. Mm -hmm. And acceptance, those were like two things that are and, you know, that's a big deal, like whether it's something outside yourself or inside yourself, you know, so like, to to be able to say, you know, that could resolve itself and you don't have to push against it. And, and even so if it's a little bit uncomfortable or you don't like it, well, just accept it. You know, is it really doing that much? And, and actually, will you make it better or will you make it worse yeah. if you start pushing against mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Mm. yeah.
2: But also, I also think you said that came from introspection. So it was it, that thing about being impatient was something that you, you, you weren't fully aware of. Mm. Maybe you were aware of it, but you weren't fully aware of it. And now you're fully aware of it.
1: And I didn't see it maybe as as negative. You know, I, I saw yeah. it maybe as drive, drive and like you know, that is so yeah. like yeah. I'm driven and yeah. I like have ambition and yeah. you know, and that's why I might get annoyed or irritated with people who aren't keeping up because I'd be like you know why aren't you like Keep come on, on let's go <laughs> you should be there by now Like, yeah, and and you know but now I see that inside you
2: <laughs> that's probably why you said to me when you saw my assessment 12 years ago when I wanted to start my own business He looked at this psychological assessment it's one of the things that Jeremy does and I sometimes work with him on that and he looked at me and he went he, look, he went that pr- look you're low in this you're low in this you're low in this and you want to start your own business and he just went and he went i up with that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>